Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, along with... Deb Wilkinson. Broadcasting live from the third level of my underground bunker, located in Coronado, California, where the men are strong, the women are good-looking, and their parents are absolutely convinced these kids are way above average. Welcoming you to a special action-packed Constitution Day edition of Inside Track. Eb is in the studio, along with producer Tom. I'll return to the studio in two weeks. Eb? Hey, Bruce and I want to remind you, please support our great sponsors, Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Their junk might be your new fence, if an upcoming home improvement project includes any steel products, you really need to visit with Jamie and Craig at Tucson and Iron Tucson Iron and Metal Retail. Essential pest control, you can depend on Eric Rudin's crew. From bugs to weeds and vermin too. Corazon cabinets, cabinets you will love at a price you can really afford. Bruce told me he had a great conversation with Joy yesterday. They're doing some very interesting projects for people getting ready for the holidays, and those are coming soon. Granny Flats, and even some cool things for Airbnb owners. And Bruce, I want you to know, a friend of mine looked at my cabinets, wanted to know where I got them. He'll be giving you guys a call. That's great to hear. Thanks. Also supporting Inside Track is the aforementioned Eb Wilkinson. From Wilkinson Wealth Management, are you tired of lame financial advance advice? <laughs> that's, that's not Eb. That's not Eb. He ain't, la- he ain't lame at all. Eb is committed to help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Our friend Eb makes a difference for each of his clients, even in challenging times. And this week was sort of one of those challenging times. Let him help you. All of our sponsors are locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do. So should you. We welcome your calls today on the Tucson Iron and Metal Retail Live Line at 520 795 2040, Eb? It's 790-2040. I don't know who who 795 is, but uh, call them anyway. Call call them and bug them. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, we've got another great show for you today. After a brief rundown, we're going to speak with longtime friend of the show and Republican nominee for U.S. Congress, Juan Siscomani. He's in Pima County this afternoon walking around, talking to constituents, and uh, knocking on doors. Bruce. Friends, today is, con- today is Constitution Day. Uh, we celebrate this day in 1787 when the Constitution of the United States was signed 235 years ago. I'll never understand why some of the signers, uh, or excuse me, I'll never understand why uh, we don't really celebrate um, uh, Constitution uh, Day uh, in any sort of significant way, but we're going to do it here today on the show. Some of the signers of the Constitution were well-known. Many of them were not. One of the signers, not so famous, was a man called Thomas Fitzsimmons, one of two Catholics to sign the U.S. Constitution. He was born in Ireland in 1741. He immigrated to America around 1760, selling with his family in Philadelphia. Fitzsimmons entered a partnership with his um, brother-in-law, and they had established a successful mercantile business focused on trade with the West Indies. From the early days of the revolution, Fitzsimmons strongly supported the Patriot cause. He became a captain in the local militia and also served on the Philadelphia Committee of Correspondence, the Council of Safety, and the Navy Board. Fitzsimmons also supplied 
uh, uh, ships or provided supplies for ships and money to the Continental Army. In 1782, he entered politics as a delegate to the Continental Congress. And in 1787, Pennsylvania nominated Fitzsimmons to attend the Constitutional Convention on their behalf. Fitzsimmons regularly attended the proceedings, but was not a major player, although William Pierce, another member, stated that Mr. Fitzsimmons is a merchant of considerable talents and speaks very well, I am told, in the legislature of Pennsylvania. Fitzsimmons was a local proponent, a vocal proponent for strong national government. He also advocated for abolishing slavery authorizing Congress to impose a tariff on imports and exports, and granting the House of Representatives equal power to the Senate in making treaties. I guess that didn't work out so well. In the new national government, Fitzsimmons served three terms as one of Pennsylvania's U.S. representatives, holding office from 1789 to 1795. A strong supporter of the military, Fitzsimmons helped draft the Navy Act of 1794, which authorized the original six frigates of the U.S. Navy. After losing his bid for re-election in 1794, Fitzsimmons returned to the private sector. He served as president of Philadelphia's Chamber of Congress. He also served as a trustee of the University of Pennsylvania, director of the Delaware Insurance Company, and co-founded the Bank of North America. Fitzsimmons died on August 26, 1811, in Philadelphia. There were many such men as Fitzsimmons. Some like him um, were famous, and some were more well-known. But they all played a consequential role in the history of our constitutional republic, which was profound even today, some 235 day, uh, 35 years later. Never before in the history of the world had something like the U.S. Constitution been conceived. Our constitutional republic is unique in history and under attack from inside and out. And it has been from almost its very beginning from those who seek power over we, the people. The U.S. Constitution does not belong to politicians. It belongs to the people of the United States of America as long as we don't allow it to be perverted or destroyed. The Constitution serves to protect us from government. One such person trying to upend our freedoms, ironically, is Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan. The Wall Street Journal said in an opinion piece yesterday, Justice Elena Kagan is leading is the leading liberal on the Supreme Court now that Justice Stephen Breyer has retired, and no doubt thinks of herself as an institutionalist. So it's a shame to see her lending an assist to the current political attack on the high court's legitimacy. When courts become extensions of the political process, when people see them as extensions of the political process, when people see them as trying to uh, trying just to impose personal preferences on a society, irrespective of the law, that's when there's a problem. And that's when there ought to be a problem, the justice said Wednesday at Northwestern University School of Law. I have often said, and I suspect most of the listeners to this show have thought that when a leftist like Kagan says something, they're actually doing or advocating just the opposite. 
Her words serve as covering fire for the left, which has used the court as a political tool of the unelected to make and shape law and change and fundamentally try to distort the Constitution and impose laws and legal opinions on our citizens, which only serve the state. This was the purpose of Justice Kagan's destructive remarks to a group of law students at Northwestern who, when they become lawyers and jurists, will likely be on a collision course also with the U.S. Constitution themselves. For decades, the left-leaning court decided cases as their personal political ideologies prescribed and not as the Constitution intended. Paraphrasing the journal, the Supreme Court hasn't been politicized by the left were her comments political? Hmm. Or what do you think she has in mind? Justice Kagan didn't mention Dobbs versus Jackson, Women's Health Organization, the case which the majority overturned Roe versus Wade. But you don't have to be Oliver Wendell Holmes to know that that was the context and her remarks feed the Democrat and the media to project and tarnish the current court. Continuing from the journal, Dobbs had to be corrected to support the Constitution. Methinks the majority acted in defense of the founders and framers, which after all is supposed to be their job, isn't it? As for abortion and judging, note that Justice Kagan doesn't defend Roe on the merits. Neither does any honest judge or legal academic on the political left. That's because Roe's logic was entirely political. An invention of Justice Harry Blackman remarkably, a Republican appointee. The lead dissenter was, was Byron White, Wizard White, a Democrat appointee. In agreeing with Justice White's critique of Roe, was Justice Samuel Alito being political, or was he correcting the historic mistake that Justice White called out at the time? She, meaning Kagan's warning the justices that the legitimacy attacks will continue if they dare to rule in ways that progressives don't like, she's probably thinking in particular about the looming case on sexual preferences at Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Justice Kagan is no doubt frustrated that she isn't in the majority in as many of the most significant cases. But now she knows how Antonin Scalia and Clarence Thomas, and Clarence Thomas felt for decades. They never attacked the legitimacy of the court. Justice Kagan would be wise to follow their example if she wants the public to respect the court when her turn in the majority comes again. So this is where the Constitution stands today, and the Donald Trump majority appointed court will likely continue to be under attack for years to come by naysayers, even those sitting alongside the defenders of the Constitution, such as Justice Kagan. But the majority must continue to be faithful, not to any partisan political party, which the record shows so far they are not, instead to the writings of our founders. Remember the sage words of one of the famous framers when the Constitution was signed, Benjamin Franklin, who famously replied when a woman asked Franklin, have we got a republic or a monarchy? And he replied, a republic if you can keep it. On this 235th anniversary of the signing of the U.S. Constitution, this indeed is something to consider. Yep.
And when we return, we'll be speaking with GOP nominee for U.S. Congress, Juan Siscomani, who's walking the neighborhoods in Pima County today. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI, trusted local news and talk. Bruce and I will be right back. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Instead of an activity where every kid gets a trophy, those who graduate from Wright Flight get to fly a plane. But only if they get good grades, are well-behaved, and pass a written test. I'm Robin Stoddard, an ex-fighter pilot. I founded Wright Flight because I knew it could help kids reach new heights in their schools, homes, and communities. Endorsed by educators at every level, nonprofit Wright Flight has changed thousands of lives since 1986. Learn more at rightflight.org. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Eb and I are pleased to welcome a longtime friend of the show and our GOP nominee for U.S. Congress, Juan Siscomani. Welcome, Juan. Thank you, Bruce, and uh, good talking to you and Eb today. So you uh, were walking neighborhoods in Sierra Vista yesterday. You're walking neighborhoods in uh, Pima County in the Tucson area uh, today. The nation faces many serious problems. Crazy spending by the Democratic-controlled Congress, a president trying to buy votes with a trillion-dollar student loan bailout, election bribe, inflation, falling stock market, erosion of retirement accounts, global military threats, and human drug, uh, human and drug smuggling on the border. What are CD6 voters telling you today what they're concerned about? Well, thanks for having me on again, Bruce. I, I always enjoy being on with you and Ab, and you guys. Um, are out there delivering good messages, especially today on Constitution Day, Citizenship Day, also known as. So I want to wish everyone that. Um, I think this is, uh, we're we're in a critical point defending our Constitution, speaking of that today. And you're right. I was in Sierra Vista yesterday, and 
I'm in Pima County today. It, this is a this is a district that changed uh, quite a bit. It expanded a, uh, uh, significantly from how it looked like before. So now we have five counties in this district. Not only Pima and Cochise as it was before. Now you include Pinal, good parts of Pinal, most of Graham, and most of Greenlee as well. So uh, mining it became even more important. Obviously, farming, development up in Pinal County. And the issues that we all know about well in, in Pima County and then Cochise and Cochise being a big, big part of it is the border. And that's one one of the things that I heard about the most. And that's what I hear about really on, on any part that I go in the district. Those are the issues that I hear the most about the economy, cost of living, it impacting families, paying more for things that they didn't use to pay as much for their monthly budgets not being enough, either for young families, kind of like mine, that I'm raising six kids in this district, or families on fixed incomes that are more on the retirement side of things. Uh, everyone's being impacted by it. And then, of course, you have the border. And that's that's the issue that literally keeps people awake up at night in, in Cochise County, as there are not only no answers, but it's getting much worse uh, right on the border. And the president then still refuses to visit the border, and so does the vice president. And you can tell they haven't visited what, because they're saying that it's secure, and nothing is further from the truth. So, Juan, your district challenger said this in a Democratic debate, or the, in a debate earlier this year. Uh, Kristen, uh, does Arizona have an immigration problem? She looked at the moderator, took a deep breath, and said no. She's very wrong yeah. on the border, isn't she? Well, yeah, I watched that debate as well, and yeah, she said exactly that, which is in line with 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 uh, what the president and the vice president are saying. That's why she's going to be a rubber stamp uh, for them on everything. If she really can't even break away from the fact of uh, the border not being secure and actually call them out on on their lies on this, then she's not going to do it on any other topic because this is one that. You don't, it's not based on opinion, it's not based on what do you think, it's based on facts, it's based on what people are seeing and living, especially in the border communities. So, yes, she, she says that the border is secure, she agrees with the vice president, and that's exactly why she's, she's really, really bad for Arizona. Yeah, and the vice president is learning how many people are coming as we're dropping them off in front of uh, her place. Um, but the problem at the border is much bigger than the human smuggling. You know, the drugs being brought into the county, in, into this country, have increased dramatically. They've caused hundreds of thousands of deaths already. Uh, I was talking to Border Patrol agent uh, just last week. He said they just had a big bust with a motorhome that had like $14 million worth of fentanyl pills in the roof of the motorhome. This is an issue, isn't wow. it? It's a big issue, and, and fentanyl is leading, it's, it's leading the, the problem here on the issue. You've seen the, the new way that the cartels are, are producing these fentanyl pills that are now in colors. They, they look like candy. And it's not a coincidence that this is happening right around Halloween season. Now, remember that, that fentanyl overdose deaths are now the number one cause of, they're the leading cause of death among young people surpassing car accidents in Pima County. This is a real issue. I was talking to uh, voters this morning. And as I was going home to home, I, I talked to a couple. They are, they're an independent couple. They're not Republican or Democrat. 
and they asked me what the issues that I was running on. So I, I, we started talking about the things that we're discussing, and they told me that their grandson, uh, unfortunately, is uh, is right now leading with dealing with with uh, an addiction to fentanyl. These are the issues that we're facing on every single day, and people are falling victim to this, and it's impacting everyone. Young families, in, in this case, their their grandson dealing with this. It, it's it's something that the, the the vice president, the president, Nancy Pelosi, and definitely my opponent, they want to ignore and shrug under the rug and, and pretend like it's not there. But we, we can't do that because the numbers are there and the testimonies are there of people in our district. As just as of this morning that I was talking to this couple, it broke my heart. It did. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. 100,000 deaths last year from drug overdoses from fentanyl. And for those who don't know, that equates to two 737s loaded to the gills, crashing every single day for the entire year, and the Dems don't care. Now, you've been endorsed by lots of local and national folks, such as uh, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, former Senator yeah. John Kyle, Chris DeSimone, mm-hmm. and former National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. So l- let's focus on Robert O'Brien. How did you get his endorsement? Well, I met um, I met Robert O'Brien when I was working with uh, Governor Ducey, and when he was the National Security Advisor, and we were we worked on different things. And I, of course, followed his career. We stayed in touch, and he when when we connected in the campaign, he liked and respected how we were looking at this border situation. That it doesn't just it's not isolated with just the border community. You have to look at the cartel activity in Mexico going on, where they're getting their products from China. And it's it's a multifaceted problem here, and it's a multi-billion, billions of dollars of, of, a, of a business model here. It's not just, oh, well, there, there's a few drugs crossing our, our ports of entry or through our deserts. This is an issue that goes much, much deeper. And he felt that I understood not only the problem that we see here in the exterior, but also what is causing it and, and, the, and the different ways that we can tackle it. I was very honored to receive his, his endorsement. He is an expert in national security issues, and, and of course he served President Trump um, and during those four years, and, and I was very honored to get that, uh, to receive that endorsement. Uh, on top of some of the more local ones of the Arizona Police Association and also the Border Patrol Council, these are endorsements that I'm very proud of, again, because uh, they know that, it, that we understand this issue from the security perspective, but also how to balance it. And this is something that I always talk about where, wherever I go. On When you talk on the border, you got to also talk about the, the immigration piece that, that I have a personal journey with and also the trade and commerce. Because being a border community should be and, and is an asset, and it's always been an asset for us. It's brought us challenges, of course, but we can't shine away from that. Here we are, and we've always embraced it, and we've known how to manage it. But right now, the security piece is completely out of control, and it's hurting our community. But I, I spent my career on promoting the trade and commerce between Arizona and Mexico that, that is very key for our economy. Immigration process, like I said, I have a personal journey with being born in Mexico, so I know it firsthand. But I can tell you that without securing our border, the other two border issues that I just mentioned will take a huge toll as well. So we have a very po- comprehensive approach across the border, not just a, a one lens uh, of view on it. Bruce? One, it's Bruce again. Let's talk about inflation. If you're successful, you're going to be one of one, uh, one in four, uh, 435 of the U.S. Congress. So what action 
will a Republican-led Congress, with you involved, take to help uh, and reduce inflation, to help families, and what role will you play? You know, inflation uh, it has climbed up to be the number one issue, Bruce. And when we launched this campaign uh, a little over a year ago, inflation in the economy, it was on people's minds, but it, not, in, not in the way that it is today. And that, now it's there because pretty much everything that we consume on a daily basis has gone up and cost tremendously. Uh, you, if it's milk, if it's chicken, if it's clothes, whatever it may be, and gas, obviously, and, and people have been able to maybe adapt a little bit on the consumption of gas or, or even some, some food out there. But what we can't um, do anything about it, utility bills. This is what is really hurting families as well that, that are living on a tight budget. And these are the things that we need to tackle immediately. I'm, I'm looking forward to the 23rd next week. Leader McCarthy is going to lay out what um, he's calling and the leadership group is calling the commitment with America, very much like what Newt Gingrich did with the contract with America back in 94. They are laying out the, the priorities and how they're going to get there. And we got a snippet of it uh, just a week ago when they announced it. And it's very much based around the issues that we're hearing from most people, that it's around the economy, it's around, it's around border security, tackling crime as well and uh, energy independence, and really unleashing American energy that has been uh, under a complete attack by this administration. And that is, I think those tackling it those ways will obviously help with the economy and uh, specifically around the, 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 the area of energy and, um, and unleashing the potential that we have here uh, domestically. Juan, thanks for staying with us uh, for, for a little bit of an extension here. You're in, you were in Sierra Vista yesterday, home of the Worldwide uh, Communications Network for our military in Fort Huachuca. Yeah. Your district also mm -hmm. has davis Monthan Air Force Base, home at least for a little while longer for, uh, for the A-10. What can yeah, you yeah. and the other Republicans from the Arizona delegation do when elected to not only save the current missions, but expand the missions of all of our military operations here in Arizona? Well, absolutely. I mean, keeping the the missions funded and supported both out of uh, DM and also at Fort Huachuca is a national security uh, issue that, that I'm going to be very supportive of. It also has a great economic impact, especially when you look at the area of Sierra Vista and Cochise County. The, the base there is the economic driver of the community. So for, not only, for more than one reason, we need to continue to support the missions both flown and executed out of these, out of these bases. Uh, strong and patriotic and heroic men and women work out of these places that are keeping us safe every single day. This is not the time to cut back on any kind of uh, funding that provides safety for Americans. This is a, this is a critical time, and, and I will be a fighter in Congress to make sure that that continues to make it back home. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Juan, uh, thanks for visiting us today. Uh, get back to work talking with folks in Sierra Vista. Keep listening. We're at the bottom. Yeah, we've been pressing the bottom of the hour well past what we should. Uh, keep the pressure on Kristen Engel. She will no, be no better than do-nothing invisible member. She loves who she is currently occupying or who's currently occupying the seat that you deserve. And all Southern Arizonas deserve to be represented by you. So go to www.juansiscomani.com. Mr. Producer... Let's take our bottom of the hour break to hear from our great supporters. You've been listening to Inside Track on KVOI, Trusted Local News and Talk. Bruce and I will be right back. 
customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and yeah. people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So uh, we have a relationship there and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever you need. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Bruce is here. Eb is here for the rest of the show today. Let's chat together about the news from the last week. Uh, if you care to join us uh, on the uh, discussions we're going to have, call us at 520-790-2040. We're happy to take your comments or questions. 520-790-2040. I want to play for you in, in just a second. Hopefully I can do this with my crude uh, portable uh, broadcast uh uh, set up here um, apart from the studio. I want to play that uh, clip from the um, uh, Democratic uh, primary uh, debate that Kristen Engel a answered a question this way. Hang on. Uh, Kirsten, does Arizona have an immigration crisis? No. Uh, Kirsten, does Arizona have an immigration crisis? No. Uh, Kirsten, does Arizona have an immigration crisis? No. Arizona does have an immigration crisis, and and this this alone uh, should be a disqualifier uh, for this woman to hold office in the U.S. Congress, especially representing a border state like Arizona and a district that is all over this border. Don't you think? Absolutely. I don't even know how she can look herself in the mirror at night and realize that she just blatantly lied. But not only that, everybody knows she lied, and she knows that everybody knows that she lied. I don't get it. Yeah. I was on a, a, a commercial air flight uh, this past Monday, traveling from San Antonio, Texas, to Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. 
And um, I was not sitting in first class. I was in steerage like uh, most of the people on the flight. And um, all of a sudden, I looked up. I had been listening to uh, something on my phone. And I looked up, and there was a stream. I counted over 40 uh, illegal immigrants uh, who all had tickets for this uh, airline uh, trip to DFW, uh, all with their um, documents in a, in a small plastic package, uh, literally um, carrying trash bags uh, with whatever possessions they had brought with them uh, from wherever they came. And the mood on the, on the airplane just, it, it was like shock silence. Um, no, they were not going to Martha's Vineyard. No, they were not going to Kamala Harris's front front porch. Uh, they were being sent because we know DFW is a huge hub for air travel in this country. They were being sent to places unknown uh, all over the country. There was a, uh, um, a recording made uh, just uh, recently uh, disclosed. I heard it on another um an out-of-state channel on the Sebastian Gorka show just yesterday, uh, a CIA official uh, who was um, confronted by police. This was on a police recording uh, from um, Long Island area in New York uh, State. Um, they uh, had a, la- a plane land at a small airport there uh, with over 100 illegals. And uh, the police showed up because the airport was closed and and nobody can be on that airport when the airport's closed. And the CIA uh, operative said, you know, if anybody gets a hold of this, you know, I'm going to lose my job. Well, frankly, he should lose his job for doing something like that. And it just shows you the kind of um, immoral uh, activities that are taking place uh, at this time. Yeah, I've seen Uh, video of that with planes landing in uh, Westchester. At what is that field? White Plains? It could be, yeah. Yeah, and you know, they're coming in in the middle of the night, and the security guard's saying, what's going on here? Well, we can't talk about it. Just, you know, stand back. No, I can't stand back. I'm the security guard. This this is my job to protect this field. And yet, and yet, they complain and bitch when, when buses pull up in Chicago and buses pull up in D.C. and planes land in Martha's Vineyard because, you know, now it's in their backyard. It's like, oh, Charles, why don't we get those people out of here? They don't belong here. It's like, come on. Now you get to see what we're going through. So so many of these cities that they're being sent to are sanctuary cities. And um, I think it's uh, rich when somebody from Chicago, Lori Lightfoot or, or uh, Mayor Boozer, uh, in in Washington uh, D.C., say that uh, they need federal assistance because they don't have the kind of uh, assets and personnel to uh, care for and take care of all these folks. Well, uh, when the mayor of Casa Grande, when the mayor of Yuma, when the mayor of uh, Phoenix, when the mayor of uh, 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 Nogales uh, of Douglas asked for assistance, where was the federal government at that time? It was nowhere to be found. Not at all. And you've got Lori Lightfoot uh, shipping migrants uh, to the Republican suburbs of Chicago. And the, uh, the mayor, uh, Gary Grasso, uh, basically said, we can't have him here. We're shipping him back. And he calls out right. Lori Lightfoot's hypocrisy about this whole thing. Here she is. She says, we're welcoming people, but then they don't. 
from the Washington Examiner. Um, John Durham's Russiagate claim exposes FBI and DOJ's years-long misinformation campaign. The move comes less than a month after it appeared Durham had personally taken the reins ahead of the upcoming trial against uh, Igor uh, Dashenko. Uh, the extent of a years-long mis um, misinformation campaign by the FBI and Justice Department regarding the alleged main source of, dis of disgrace Christopher Steele's Trump dossier has been laid bare by John Durham's latest court filings. Um, this is a huge, huge issue. Igor uh, uh, Danishenko is a U.S.-based Russian lawyer charged with five counts of making false statements to the Bureau. He was cashing a check from the FBI as a paid informant from March 2017 to October 2020, uh, special counsel uh, Durham has claimed. Um, you know, isn't it fascinating, Eb, to see uh, how little has come from the Durham investigation team versus the constant leaking from the current politicized DOJ and FBI uh, in the Donald Trump cases. It is. It's just incredible. You know, less than, uh, you know, not even an hour after Trump's place was raided and documents were seized, illegally, I would state, um, these things start getting leaked to the press. You know, number one, who the hell's leaking them? And number two, why is that not being investigated? Right. It's just crazy. You know, and now you've got Russian armed forces staging massive war games near the U.S. coast involving nuclear submarines. You know, and in this uh, in this chilling show of force, these missiles are being uh, pictured, uh, you know, with, with firing, firing drills, you know, firing the missiles in drills close to the American state of Alaska. You've got Vladimir Putin. His forces are suffering humiliating setbacks in the Ukraine war. You've got 30,000 warships, you know, or thir 30 warships took part in exercises in the Barents and the Laptiv uh, Seas, an area where Russia has stationed substantial military assets. Uh, granite and onyx missiles are being launched in Northern Sea Route, a strategic passage for ships connecting to uh, Europe and the Pacific. And then you've got the Russian defense minister stating that the missiles, the missiles have hit a complex sea target, imitating a detachment of a warship of mock enemy at a distance of over 400 kilometers. Wonder who that mock enemy is. You've got fears that have been raised that Russia has significantly increased its military presence in the Arctic, and Biden does nothing. Not only well, that, fact, but but his aides you're are... Not gonna, go ahead. You're not going to read anything about that in the U.S. press. That article uh, that you just shared came from the uh, Telegraph uh, from uh, Britain because uh, none of the major news sources, in, including the Wall Street Journal, are reporting on it. Go ahead and let's, let's talk, talk about Biden's 24 election. Oh, That's my great. God. His aides are just giddy about their boss's chances to win again in 2024. You know, they're looking at the recent legislative wins. The president's team is laying the groundwork for 2024 with plans to rely on the DNC resources and talks about who would manage the campaign. I just don't get it. They are very excited about their to be, I think, 81-year-old boss in uh, 2024, um, somebody they can push around for the next four years after that, probably in a wheelchair. Um, the highest number in U.S. history, uh, 
U.S. Border Patrol logs 8,000 migrants entering U.S. every day. This is something we talked to uh, Juan Siscomani about. He's committed to bringing these numbers down to zero. Um, uh, and the Border Patrol officers are logging, as I said, 8,000 migrant encounters a day, the highest daily number in U.S. history. Uh, such a massive surge in migrants has left agencies such, such as Customs and Border Patrol uh, absolutely frustrated. I will play again that quote uh, from Kirsten Sinema. Kirsten Sinema. Oh, my She's God. She's just as bad. She's Sorry, Kirsten. Bad. Kristen, Kristen Engel. Uh, Kirsten, does Arizona have an immigration crisis? No. Uh, Kirsten, does Arizona have an immigration crisis? No. Eb, you know, uh, this is this has just become um, a a um, kind of a, a whole political thing for for the uh, uh, Democratic Party. Uh, I wrote yesterday uh, in response uh, to uh, some other comments. Now the blue world knows what it feels like to have the uninvited come to their special communities and the burdens placed on local governments and the citizens who don't live in places like Martha's Vineyard, Chicago, D.C., and New York City, and who don't seem to be concerned about the out-of-control illegal entrance along our border, but now they have their eyes opened. So don't blame Ducey, Abbott, or DeSantis. Look to the current people running the federal government who are responsible for this mess. It was not this way before January 20th, 2021. Almost no one in America is opposed to legal immigration. However, no American should have to tolerate the federal government who says the border is under control when everyone along the border sees every day how out of control it is. And here's the kicker. In addition to the problems that come from unchecked legal immigration, again, as Juan and Eb talked about earlier, over 100,000 Americans every year are being killed by these kinds of um, uh, drug policies and, and immigration policies. You have to ask, are these unintentional errors or are they intentional policies implemented to disrupt civil society and harm Americans by the people who are reporting there are no problems at the border? Eb? Yeah, I I go with the it's absolutely intentional. Hey, Bruce, we've got a caller, Charles. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I have to uh, respectfully disagree with you about the burden that's imposed on uh, cities that some of the, the people, the uh, illegal aliens are being sent to. When they declare themselves a sanctuary city, they're actually welcoming the the illegal the illegal aliens. When you do that, when you declare yourself a sanctuary city, you're saying that it's not a burden. So you're saying that it is a burden for them. I don't think is accurate. I think what they're doing is I think what Governor DeSantis and Governor um, uh, Abbott are doing are simply fulfilling the request of people who declare themselves sanctuary. They're actually completing a uh, completing a, a request. But well, what they're doing, Charles 
is they is they knew that they would never get any of these people coming to their cities. Now they're seeing uh, these people there, and they probably don't have the resources to take care of them. These are false claims. It, it was virtue signaling made by many of these mayors in large cities as well as small cities. They can barely take care of the homeless they have in their cities today. They can't take care of the homeless they have in their cities today. Look at San Francisco. It's an absolute toilet on the streets there, number one. Number two, uh, Charles, we never said that it's a burden on them. They're the ones who say it's a burden on them. You know, they're right, the- What I'm saying is, yeah, I'm disagreeing with them. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. If I may, I know time is short. I also disagree with you that, that, that uh, Governor Ducey can't do much. He could call the National Guard out. He could do what Governor Abbott's done with their, with their uh, state police, their troopers, and, and uh, establish squads to meet people at the border and say, no, uh, you go away. They could do, he could do that if he wanted to. I know he would get into lawsuits with the federal government, but that would be an opportunity for, uh, for another front in the battle on, on stopping. Not, I don't know, I'm not that worried about the illegal aliens themselves. I'm more concerned about the fentanyl and the human trafficking aspect of it. I mean, illegal immigration is a problem, but, but the larger problem is the human trafficking, especially the sex trafficking that's going on right now. This puts Backpage to shame. All right, I had to go, guys. All right. Thank you very much. Um, in Pennsylvania, in that, uh, in that Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race, uh, John Fetterman, who's running against Dr. Oz, um, this guy looks like Shrek. Uh, from the movies. Uh, he cast the lone vote in a failed bid to free a man convicted of murdering a woman with, c- with scissors. Uh, DA there speaks out, uh, says that he had a predetermined agenda. That's according to District Attorney Matt Weintraub, who talks about Fetterman. John David Brookins was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison in 1992 for a 1990 killing of his girlfriend's mother, Sharon Ginsburg, who was found with a pair of large scissors lodged in her chest. This is the man that some people say has a lead in that in that uh, election. I doubt it. Eb from the uh, you want to talk about that editorial in the, in the Jerusalem Post? Absolutely. Uh, the Abram Accords are stronger than ever two years later. The signing of the Abraham Accords two years ago marked the start of a positive relationship for the benefit of all. Like all relationships, there must be an effort to maintain it. This week marked the second anniversary of the Abraham Accords, under which Israel signed normalization agreements with the United United Arab Emirates, the UAE, and Bahrain, which were later extended to Morocco. And skeptics at the time noted that Israel had not been at war with these Arab Muslim states and downplayed the idea that the accords reached under the Trump administration and Netanyahu government could be called peace treaties. But their importance should not be underestimated. The Abraham Accords marked a strategic diplomatic shift for Israel and the region and the relationship with the countries it has flourished. Uh, They've flourished beyond every optimistic expectation. Trade, diplomacy, military, people-to-people programs between diplomatic partners is flourishing, but you won't hear a word of that anywhere from Joe Biden or his media partners. Bruce. So, Ab, Joe Biden is doing everything he can to ignore the historic 
diplomacy of Donald Trump. His State Department has has also questioned the future of the U.S. Embassy remaining in Jerusalem, uh, which means that the uh, Jerusalem won't be considered uh, by the rest of the world as uh, the capital of that state anymore. But the big Israel story this week was some undocumented report printed in a new book by Gerard Baker from the New York Times that an impaired Trump offered the West Bank to Jordan's Prince Abdullah in 2017. This is this is a preposterous sort of a rumor that he's he's stating as fact. And by the way, if he did, the prince, it, had he been offered that deal, the prince would have rejected such an offer because his father expelled the Palestinians out of Jordan over 50 years ago, as did the Saudis, as did the Syrians, as did the Lebanese, and most of the Emiratis because of the terror problems these people caused in those countries. In those countries, Ab? Yeah, absolutely. And this week, Biden was in Detroit promising green jobs. You know, is history repeating itself? When it comes to Biden and the Democrats, bankrupt green promises, it sure is. Even before Biden started lying about the green jobs as president, he spent years as vice president promising green new jobs that never materialized. Kind of like those shovel-ready projects. Right on. In 2009, Biden praised the Obama administration's $535 million loan guarantee to Solyndra, promising permanent green jobs of the future. Look what happened to that. Two years later, Solyndra filed for bankruptcy. In 2009, Biden touted the Obama administration's $528 million loan to electric car maker Fisker Automotive, saying it was seed money that would lead to new great jobs. The thousands of jobs that that promised never materialized. And in 2011, he claimed the battery company Enter One was creating new jobs in green industries that would ensure our competitiveness for decades to come. And what happens just three years later, after receiving $118 million from the Obama administration, Enter One fired for, uh, filed for bankruptcy. And Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Grenholm, has a similarly bad track record. As governor, she granted tax credits to convicted embezzler, gave millions to companies that went bankrupt, and promised jobs that never came. Biden's war on the American energy as president is strong at work. He canceled the Keystone XL pipeline, killing 11,000 jobs, many of them union jobs, he rejoined the disastrous Paris Climate Accord, which basically screws America and lets China do whatever the hell they want to do, which estimates that it will kill anywhere from 400,000 to 2.7 million jobs. And his moratorium on new oil and gas leases on federal lands threatens an estimated 286,000 jobs. And if allowed to pursue the Biden AOC Bernie New Green Deal, they will wreck America the same way this radically inspired drivel has done in Europe. Bruce, we've got two minutes and 41 seconds left. What have you got to say? Well, I think, I think uh, finally, uh, Queen Elizabeth will be laid to rest on Monday. Uh, these words also from the Wall Street Journal. Um, it's at the same time unprecedented and also a deep part of uh, Britain's cultural tradition. A line miles long has formed in London as Britain's brave the elements for hours, over 24 hours at a time, to get a chance to pay their respects at the coffin of Queen Elizabeth as she lies in state in Westminster Hall. 
the cue for the queen is in literal sense a walking and talking rebuff to the online and woke who couldn't resist accusing another Western institution of irredeemable racism and colonialism. The cue is remarkable for its diversity, old and young, uh, white and black, well-dressed or casual, uh, South uh, Asian, East Asian, and more. Um, much praise has deservedly been given to the queen for her selfless service to her country and to her people. And all of this is well-deserved with this being the 235th anniversary of the signing of our most important and legal, legally binding covenant. It may also be appropriate to think about the words spoken outside of constitution hall almost two and a half centuries ago when that woman asked Benjamin Franklin, have we got a republic or a monarchy? And he replied, a republic if you can keep it. The English gave the world the Magna Carta and America wrote the Constitution, which for the first time gave the world a representative constitutional republic where we the people elected men and women to serve us. If the republic is ours to keep, Perhaps our politicians could learn something from the selfless service of such a great monarch. Something to consider? Maybe so. Hey, uh, insiders, Bruce and I hope you've enjoyed the show today with Juan Siscomani. Join us next week. We already have a great show planned for you, and our podcast is available on both KVOI website and Apple Podcasts. All of our Inside Track episodes are available at Apple Podcasts. Until next week for Inside Track, this is Eb Wilkinson. And Bruce Ash. Wishing you all a very pleasant good afternoon. We'll see you again in 167 hours. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com.